0: Hey friends, welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle Podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids, ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. I'm your host, Lauren Jackson, and today's episode was such a sweet one for me. I invited some former co-workers of mine, Ryan and Parker, to talk about how they bridge the gap between kids ministry and student or youth ministry. This is a hot topic of conversation as the spring season is typically one where we start planning our Promotion Sunday, Move Up Sunday, Graduation Sunday, whatever you wanna call it. But we want to emphasize transitioning our kids into students with intentionality. And that means preparing them partnering with parents really well and then celebrating them well. So we talk about how Parker and Ryan have a specific program for fifth, sixth and seventh graders and how they are really intentional about training these kids to get into God's word. And I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. It is definitely one where you will want to take some notes. So let's jump right into the conversation with Ryan and Parker. Ryan and Parker, welcome to the podcast. Great
1: to be here. Super excited. Hey, Lauren.
0: All right. Why don't you kick us off by telling us a little bit about yourself? How did you get into ministry and where you guys are currently serving? Uh, Ryan, why don't you go first?
2: All right. Well, my name is Ryan George. I am the student's director over middle school and high school at our St. John congregation at the Austin Stone here in Austin, Texas. I've been serving in ministry, vocational ministry for about nine years uh, in a couple different roles. There's been four different churches I've worked at from Chicago to central Illinois and then out to Austin from there. And all of them have involved some form of student ministry as part of what I've done. So it's kind of what it's looked like for me. And then three years coming up for the, the stone. So, yeah, started right in the middle of COVID kicking off. It was a wild ride, but we're here and we're doing this thing. So that's some of my history. That's
0: awesome. All right, Parker, what about
1: you? Yeah, so I have been. Uh, I am the kids ministry director at the St. John campus of the Austin Stone. So Ryan and I work closely together here at St. John, and we love it. I started serving in kids ministry as a sixth grader about twenty years ago, and have been doing vocational ministry on and off for the past ten years. In kids ministry, I did some student ministry, did some camp ministry, and yeah, I've been here at the Austin Stone for two and a half as kids ministry director.
0: That is awesome. So one of the reasons why I wanted you guys to come on the podcast is because this season of ministry, this spring kind of before summer season is really popular for ministry leaders to start thinking about the transition between 5th grade or 6th grade into students and whatever that may look like in your church context. Now's the time to start thinking about it. If you're not thinking about it, you should start thinking about it. And so one of the reason I one of the reasons I wanted to invite Parker and Ryan on to the podcast is because I think they do this really well. And from firsthand experience, I know this has been a conversation across the family ministry team at The Stone, and we're really trying to make sure that it's a seamless transition, not only for the kids, but also for the volunteers and the parents. So let's talk about this crossover between fifth and sixth grade or fourth and fifth grade or kind of whatever that transition may look like for your ministry. And so it's been talked about for a long time that this transition often loses kids right they are coming on sunday with their parents their parents are the primary drivers to church and then students happens and they're not coming on wednesdays they're not coming on sunday evenings there's just this disconnect there and a lot of times kids get lost in the shuffle so for you guys why do you think that happens what do you think is the thought and kind of the history, as you guys have seen this transition happen, why do we lose kids?
1: One of the reasons I think that we see this drop-off is uh, it's such a stark change from kids ministry to student ministry. So, kids who have been at a church for a long, long time, they know the staff, they know the volunteers, parents know the staff, parents know the volunteers, and now they're start transition, you've got these new leaders that are supposed to be leading you, and there's no relationship that's been developed. And so, I think one of the big things is that they it's a new thing in their minds. Instead of, oh, I go to church, and this is my church, and these are the people, it's like, hey, I left that thing I used to do, and now I'm in this new thing, so I'm going to get to decide from the ground up whether I'm going to continue to be a part of it or not. And so that change in leadership, I think, is really hard for
2: a lot of kiddos.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: That was a big one for me, too, is that so much of family ministries is built on trust with parents. And so if that trust hasn't been built from those who are leading students ministry in those kid ages in some way, uh, then it's like a, a whole new rebuilding season of like, we don't know these people uh, we don't really know what they're about. We don't know if we trust them. We don't really even know what the ministry programming looks like. And like Parker said, it could be like vastly different and it usually is from what they were doing in kids ministry. So I think all those big changes and just like relational changes with who's leading on uh, what that looks like can be a big reason for some drop off for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. And we'll get to the parent piece here in a little bit, but what does it look like to build trust with the kids that are coming up through the grades Maybe they're not quite fifth graders yet, but maybe they're second or third graders and you know, hey, I'm going to try and invest in them and build trust with them so that when they get to that fifth or sixth grade, there's some sort of relationship already built. So what does that trust building process look like?
1: Yeah, here at St. John, we've got a really cool ministry called 567. And I don't have to get into the logistics of all of everything we do, but the the basic part of it is that we want kids to be able to transition well and we want them to learn to study the bible on their own and those are kind of the two big things we're trying to do and what it does is uh as we built out this ministry it became an overlapping ministry where kids in fifth grader kids who are fifth graders are still in our kids ministry and kids in our 6th and 7th grades are still in our student ministries but they come together on sunday mornings in 5 6 7 and Ryan and I get to lead that together with our other family ministry staff. And so kids are getting to build relationships with him for a whole year before they're ever Mm -hmm. a part of student ministry programming, before they go on the trips and do the missions and are part of uh, the student small groups. They get to meet Ryan, know Ryan, grow under Ryan for a whole year. And so we have our own volunteer team that's separate from kids or students that runs that. And uh, it's been really, really cool because that time where they get to be in front of Ryan, allows them to build that trust while still having the trust of, hey, I know Parker and Parker's here and he's a part of this thing too. And so by the time they're moving into sixth grade, they've got a strong foundation.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I think when when we launched this whole five six seven idea for fifth through seventh graders, I don't even know if this was one of the benefits we were like highly viewing of the strategy for it, but it's become, I think, one of the strongest pieces of it is that in most churches that that like jump between fifth and sixth grade is just really jarring because it's like we didn't know the leaders. Uh, these are brand new faces, a whole new ministry strategy sometimes. But for us, because we've developed a ministry that overlaps completely, kids and students, like I know all the fifth graders' names now. Like I've met parents who don't have older mm-hmm. kids. Their fifth graders is their older oldest kid. I know them and I've made a connection with them. So it's made for such an easy transition between ministries and such like a really concrete partnership between kids and students, because we have a ministry that is actually both of them together. So yeah, I mean, I think that'll look very different at other churches if a church wants to try something like that. But the way we've done it uh, has had a lot of cool fruit like that when it comes to like this transition going really well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love that picture of, like, when you think about the relay race analogy and passing the baton, usually for ministries, that happens over the course of, like, three, four weeks maybe, and it's this super quick transition, and it's like, okay, you're in students now or you're in youth ministry now, like, go in peace kind of thing, and I feel like with this five, six, seven philosophy... It is like, no, we get to pass the baton for an entire year and really focus on building relationships. I mean, we could go deep into just the importance of relationships when it comes to ministry and being a influential voice in the life of kids and students. Relationship has to come first. And so I love that idea. I am going to ask you a couple uh, in the weeds questions. Because I think this would be helpful for ministry leaders. So this happens on Sunday mornings. Does it happen at all of your services?
1: It takes place during one of our services because our middle school ministry is smaller in numbers than our kids' ministry. We wanted to put all of the kids together so that it still still felt like a hype, fun place to be instead of showing up uh, and there be significantly less kiddos than they were historically used to. in order to keep engagement
2: high.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. What curriculum resources are you pulling from?
2: So we've developed our own curriculum for this, and it's basically just an inductive Bible study. So we wrote a curriculum that takes them through the Old Testament in the fall, and it's just like snapshots from the Old Testament, but a timeline of the Old Testament where they're hearing the story of scripture. So it's, you know, creation, fall, promise, Family freedom, conquest, kingdom, like those seven words they hear over and over again. And we kind of help them locate where they are in the Old Testament. So that's the fall. And then the spring is the New Testament, where we're going through the birth of Jesus, life of Jesus, all the way through resurrection, the, the expansion of the church. And so they, they get this picture of here's a story of scripture. But yeah, we we developed that strategy and kind of scope and sequence, and then wrote the curriculum, which really just meant selecting passages. Uh, designing how the inductive study is going to work, which is based off of the way that the Austin Stone more broadly does inductive studies called the REAP method. But yeah, that mm-hmm. was our our strategy for it. Uh, and we kind of just came up with that in-house.
1: Yeah. That's and awesome. One of the cool things we... Or not cool. One of the hard things that we've had to do with this is try not to do too much. We Definitely. wanted kids to walk away knowing how to read God's word on their own. If they walked away in the eighth grade and were able to REAP through or do their inductive study at home, then that was the win for us here. And so we understand that we're not gonna hit every story in scripture and our goal is not to teach them every story in scripture. We may spend five weeks in uh, just Ephesians or something like that, but our goal is to teach them how to study God's word. And so we had to kind of pick and choose our goals.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. What's the primary role of the volunteers in this ministry? Are there small groups? Yeah. What is that? What does your like typical Sunday programming look like?
2: Yeah, I'd love to answer this. This is one of my favorite things about 567. The volunteers have like just a very important and like vital role. Like without them, it can't happen. If it was just one person mm-hmm. teaching from the front, it would be a completely different ministry because this is an inductive Bible study where they're digging into God's word, asking questions, making observations. We call our volunteers table leaders. Uh, So we have about 30 to 40 students any given Sunday morning. And we have groups of one leader and a maximum of four students. So it takes a lot of leaders to do this. And they're at these small rectangular tables where it's just them and those four other students. uh, And they're working on the study together. So when a student makes a wrong observation where they're like, I'm observing this, but they're really applying scripture instead of observing, like that table leader is the one Helping all of that happen well, like guiding them, correcting them. I've described five, six, seven kind of as like a cooking class where it's like there's someone from the front who's like, now we're gonna cook this, uh, and then but at these smaller tables, like people are cook actually cooking the stuff and like putting in the wrong ingredients, and someone's like helping them adjust that. Uh, so without these leaders doing this. Uh, like the study just wouldn't happen. They're they're actually guiding that at each individual small table. And then there's one room leader for the morning who's keeping everything on track. They're like the tour guide saying, all right, we're going to do this step next. And like just keeping the timing going correctly and pacing the whole study. So we've got one room leader and then a bunch of volunteers who are table leaders. And that's kind of how we've organized it. But yeah, without without table leaders, it it wouldn't be possible. And they play such a important role. I love that we get to recruit volunteers with that kind of, Conviction, where it's not like, hey, just come hang out with some kids and make sure they don't get in trouble. Like, you are the one who's going to help them actually study God's word and learn how to do it. We're going to train you to do that. You're going to be such a better Bible study leader yourself because you're doing that with these younger kids. Like, all of that happens through our volunteers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we've got time built out for them to build those relationships and deepen those where they're not just teaching them uh, out of a workbook, but at the beginning and end, we're playing board games and Uh, playing at the pool table, eating donuts together. And then once a month, we do what we call Cereal Sunday, where we serve cold cereal. uh, And we take a week off of the workbook and do some worship together, play some large group games, and really try to build up those relationships. Because those relationships are going to have that entire three-year process there in the program. And so those relationships are important because, I mean, like we've been talking about from the very beginning, those relationships are what bridge the transition well.
0: Yeah. So, as you, is this your second year?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're in okay. the middle of year two. So,
0: okay. So, now that you've done year one and you're almost through year two, how has that transition been for those fifth graders, right? Because your student ministry happens outside of Sunday mornings, correct? Yep, that's right. So, how has that been where you've invited your fifth graders, but now they're technically in students officially? do you see a lot of connection between Sunday morning and then Wednesday nights?
2: So we, so we do Sunday nights instead of Wednesday Sunday nights. nights for our, okay. our uh, students ministry. Uh, yeah. So are you asking, like, have we seen like retention Were those fifth graders yeah. very involved? I think so. Yeah. Like our, our sixth grade groups right now are some of our biggest in our student ministry. So like just numerically, we saw students come over or kids in fifth grade, come over to students ministry and stay connected. Uh, So that's just great evidence that the relationships built and the trust built like resulted in them being a part of student ministry and really investing Mm -hmm. in it. So we've definitely seen that. Uh, Parker, I don't know what else you would add of just kind of how that first year of transition has gone. Yeah.
1: One of the hard things about kids ministry is that when they're in kids programming, it's a lot of like there's a leader and then there's kids and they're engaging the kids uh, five, six, seven has a lot more of kids engaging with each other. So they're sitting at a table having discussion. They're playing games together and the leaders facilitating those things, but those relationships are getting to be built more. And so I think what we've gotten to see with our sixth grade small groups, which has been really cool, is that they step into sixth grade in August, having those deeper relationships already. Uh, so they're mm-hmm. able to run a little bit more on their own, which has been really neat. And then something I don't know that we expected to see was a lot of our seventh graders who are graduating out of five, six, seven our eighth graders now are coming back to serve in kids ministry because they're growing in their love for the church through this ministry and through this time together that they're coming back now to give back to where they were before and so we've probably got six or seven eighth graders who are serving in kids ministry because of their love for the church they developed and so uh it it sets our kids up for success in students but it also has our students excited about serving kids
0: That's awesome. I love that. I love that surprising piece of, oh, we didn't really expect this, but how we've invested in these kids and really gave them a space that values them and the season that they're in, in childhood and in adolescence. And it, and that's just one way that says, oh, the church sees me. They're not expecting me to, to go down to third grade. They're not expecting me to go up to eighth grade. They're seeing me in my season. And that's not something that you guys openly say to these kids of like, we see you. But those small acts of intentionality behind programming and behind volunteers and table leaders and content you're teaching them ultimately is a way to show them that, hey, we see you and we want to help you grow. And I do feel like that helps them grow in their love for the church. And so I think that is really sweet um, to kind of reflect on as you're in the middle of year two. And I'm so excited to kind of see what happens over the course of finishing out year two and then on to years three and above.
1: Yeah. So Those middle school years, they're like they're weird years for kiddos because what they want is acceptance and what they want is to feel known and, The way that we've set it up gives them that because if you're doing kind of the traditional like they're in fifth grade, then a stark transition to sixth grade when they're most wanting to start feeling known is when they don't at all. And so this overlap of a whole year in our ministries allows them to enter that space feeling that somewhat from leaders and volunteers. And it's been a huge
0: blessing. Yeah, that's awesome. So my next question for you is, how are you equipping parents to make this transition? What does that look like? I know in my ministry years, you always have the parents who those fifth graders are their oldest child and they're like, I have zero idea what I'm getting myself into with having teenagers and students and just this idea from going from, okay, I had a kid and now I have a student and that can be like mind blowing and there's a lot more conversations that are happening in students that aren't necessarily happening in kids. And so how have you guys launched five, six, seven, but also said, okay, parents let's equip you also, because we still want you to be the primary spiritual voice in the lives of your kids.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. On the front end from the kids ministry side, we do a lot of handoff Uh, and that handoff, you know, you use the running the baton and handing off the baton And you see one person in a race, they're running for a while, and then the two people kind of start to run together. And during that running together is when that handoff happens, and then the second person takes off. And so we want to do that handoff where we're moving together, where I'm reaching out to parents saying, hey, you're going to hear this from Ryan soon. And then Ryan follows it up and actually gives it to them. And hey, Ryan's going to be having this soon. And then Ryan does that thing. And so they're hearing from someone who they have built a lot of trust with, like, hey, this is a trustworthy person. This is someone you should want to follow. This is someone you should want to hear from. This is someone who knows what they're doing. uh, And you're going to grow to love them. And being an advocate and uh, the voice that's celebrating students before kids get there
2: is kind of what we're doing on the kids ministry end.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: And I want to see, I think this is an area that I want to see us grow in. Uh, I don't think we're super strong in this. Like when it comes to parent equipping, wouldn't be like, man, we're just like killing it. Uh, There's a lot more work to be done here. There's And there's things that the Stone has been working on for a couple of years now when it comes to some papers on like developmental uh, stages for different grades. And just writing up even these written resources that we can give to a parent and say, hey, as your kid goes from fifth grade into middle school. Here's some of the development of changes when it comes to how they're thinking, how they're approaching questions of faith that you should be aware of and you can be pressing into and be strategic about as a parent. I want to see those launch soon and yeah. then do some really practical things to get those in parents' hands, help equip them in some of that stuff. Uh, so there's good things coming. But, I, yeah, I think when it comes to equipping parents, that's one area in the years ahead I want us to do a lot more work on. Mm-hmm. Ryan, you guys do some things, though,
1: now, right? Like you guys do, like, parent huddles... Like we do, like we, you talk with parents at the bridge.
2: Oh, yep. There, there's some definite touch points built in. We're like going into the new ministry year in August. We'll have a, uh, like a fifth grade meeting or lunch for parents where we'll get all those fifth grade parents and ones that I already know because of five, six, seven, but we'll get them in a room. Mm-hmm. All right. Your kid's about to have promotion Sunday happen like next Sunday or whatever. Here's everything you can expect as they make the change into students ministry. Uh, that conversation goes so much better because there's relationships. It's not like the first time I'm meeting them, uh, but there are big changes coming for them where they're a part of our small group community in sixth grade for students ministry now. So here's what that looks like. They're a part of all of our trips and retreats that students do as a parent. Here's what we can expect for that. So having some built in rhythms of parent info meetings and stuff like that, really basic stuff, but getting that out in front of parents really far in advance, being consistent about those things that goes a long way too. Yeah. And then
1: student ministry parents have a lot more interaction with one another than kids' ministry parents. And so we created some events that take place the summer between fifth and sixth grade year that we call The Bridge. And those are largely kid-focused, getting the kids together to have fun, build relationships, and launch into student ministry. But in those events, creating spaces for parents to connect with one another, where students aren't just connecting and building those relationships, but parents are getting to do that too. And so Ryan gets to get in front of parents at those events. I remember last year, we did like a pool party, and Ryan was sitting in the pool house with dads, talking with them about student ministry as they had questions, um, and then getting to come out and play some spike ball and engage with kiddos as well
0: that's awesome. I love that idea of, of creating space for kids to get to know each other, but also saying, Hey parents, we also want you to get to know one another because these are your people. These are your people to ask questions to and share things with and depend on when the teenage world is running rampant in your house. And so I love that of making connections, but also I feel like the, for those new parents who are coming into students to say, Oh, These parents that I met have an eighth grader and they're a few years ahead and now I have their phone number and now I can grab lunch or coffee or ask questions and just building those relationships are also really sweet for parents. And so I love that you guys have this focus of not just the kids building relationships, but the parents. And that's really sweet. Uh, Okay. I have another question. As you have been teaching in five, six, seven, this idea of wanting kids to be able to read their Bible on their own, have you seen parents come to you and say, I never knew how to do that?
2: Yeah, and, uh, definitely. Yeah, there's been parents who have felt really ill equipped to like lead their own families in this. And a lot of our, this is also an unexpected thing because right now the culture, as of, most good things are, yeah, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of good things. Uh, <laughs> Most of my student ministry leaders are not parents. I know for a, other churches I've worked at, like our student ministry volunteers have sometimes been heavily like the parents of kids in the ministry. That hasn't been true here. Uh, but 567 has become more that, where parents who were like, I don't really feel confident doing this. I'm like, would you come serve for a year? like Be a table mm. eater. Uh, we're going to train you in this. We're going to equip you in this. What you learned, you now you can take into your own family devotionals and lead well in that. And so we've recruited a lot of parents off of just casting a vision for how they will grow in their own family leadership by serving in five, six, seven. So that's been, that was a, a surprise that it kind of took that direction. And we have so many parents serving, but that's been really good.
0: And that's I'll- a brilliant idea. Uh, that's sorry. like so smart because it's like, oh no, you can learn this alongside your student and. That is so smart. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> no,
1: ultimate the ultimate goal of what we do is parent-led discipleship. If we're doing what we're doing and parents aren't discipling their kids, the fruit is going to be so much smaller because the time is so much less. And so we want those parents to come in and be able to be equipped to lead their kiddos. And serving in five, six, seven is a great way to do it. We've had a lot of parents come to us and say, like, my child wants to read the Bible and I don't know what to tell them to read. Um, and my response is usually like Have them read whatever you're reading and uh, talk with them about it. And so they want that. They desire that.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I love that so much of it's the kids because you and this five, six, seven ministry decided to invest in the kids. They're ultimately changing the course of their family and their generation. And I think that is so cool to see the parent the kids taking that home yep. and saying hey parents look at what i'm reading and look at what i'm doing like and it spurs on the parents to be better and to be better followers of jesus and i think uh if you're not focusing on that in your volunteer trainings then i don't know what you're missing on so for ministry leaders who want this who want a intentional transition between fifth and sixth grade, maybe they're not ready to start a separate program, but they want to think intentionally about this for their kids and volunteers and students or parents. Where do they start?
1: Yeah, I think the lowest bar is time with a students director. And so even if you're not ready to launch a whole new program, have your students director come in once a month and teach your kids large group story, have them come by uh, the fifth grade classroom and meet parents there and pick up. And so this is something Ryan and I have been talking about a lot and wanting him to do more to help that transition to fourth and fifth grade. How do we make the on-ramp even longer so that we can make the transition even smoother? And so it's just time. All these relationships are built over
2: time. So the earlier you get started on building those, the smoother the transition is going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the other advice I would give would be true for any ministry that you're thinking about doing something new for. But spend some time uh, like vision casting to like your lead pastor and saying like, like we've been blessed at the stone to be in a context where there is a vision for a unified family ministry. Uh, But a lot of people are going to be at churches where it is more siloed. And there's a kids ministry, a student ministry, a a vision for a a family ministry more broadly maybe isn't there yet. Uh, So getting people on board with that and casting vision for what that could accomplish if there's more partnership and collaboration between these different staff members or as an overall ministry, it's going to mean you go slower to do that. You're not like, here's the new program. Let's launch it but spend like a year, spend a season getting people on board, casting vision, painting a picture, telling stories of what it could look like from podcasts like this and stories you're hearing of other churches doing it, uh, and then ease into it in a way that works for your context. But yeah, get some people on board if you need to do that initial work. Um, But that's going to go a long way to have a firm foundation and buy in from your lead pastor, from others who are setting that direction for the church. Mm
0: Yeah. Your first step may just be going to lunch with your student's pastor or your youth director or your kid's director. Like it could be just connecting with your counterpart and saying, Hey, what would this look like if we worked together? Because I do think churches can be siloed in this area and it can be a, well, here's my Excel list of all my graduating fifth graders. Here you go. But really what does it look like to work together on this project? And, I think that is super smart about having, about inviting the youth director or whoever's leading the student ministry in on a Sunday and say, hey, come play a game. Come like with your high school students and sing a song. I don't know. There's so many things that you can do in kids to start building those relationships. And I loved your idea, Parker, about even having your student director stand and welcome fifth grade kids into the classroom because then they're meeting parents they're meeting kids and they're this new face that they can when you're a new face you can say hey what's your name tell me about like you can ask all those questions that are just an uh, option in an opportunity to build relationships and so i think that is so smart and that's something that people can do today like that is something that you can implement this sunday of saying hey co-worker, student leader, could you just stand and check in and start meeting these parents so that they begin to see your face and hear your voice so that they're not super surprised when we transition fifth graders? I think that's really smart.
1: Do it. Write that email. Send that Slack. Do it. Call them. Turn. Yeah. Ask. Ryan and I right. <laughs> Ryan and I have been really blessed by our friendship, too. I think a lot of this is strengthened just because we have a relationship with one another. Because we grab lunch together, because we talk about this with each other, we're not just trying to run our own things. But because we want to work together and view ourselves as a team leading the family ministry together instead of I lead kids, you lead students, it has been a huge blessing and allowed us to do some of these things and make some of these changes. So I think what you're saying is right.
0: Yeah, Agreed. that friendship is important.
2: Agreed. I see you as a friend too, Parker. And if I've never said that, now you know. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yep, got you.
0: That's so sweet. This little like sweet moment on the podcast. <laughs> um, okay, so the last question we always ask is if you were talking to someone brand new in ministry, it could be youth ministry, it could be kids ministry, ministry as a whole, what would be your words of encouragement or advice for new leaders? Mm-hmm
1: you want to go first? Um, yes. Are we talking about staff or volunteers? Staff. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, staff in terms of, like, maybe they're leading the ministry, yes. maybe they're not getting paid in this yeah, yeah, yeah. time, but someone who is leading and in charge of a ministry.
1: Yeah, man. My first piece of advice uh, is twofold. And one is going to be super personal related, and the other is ministry focused, And so, personally, don't let those spiritual disciplines die. When you're preparing lessons and you've got tons of work to do, sometimes it's easy to be like, ah, you know, I'd already spent a ton of time in my Bible today preparing to write. I don't need to read it as well for my own edification, and that is wrong. And a lie, um, you need those spiritual disciplines because your relationship that you have with the Lord is going to be the foundation from which any ministry is done. And the second is understand that it takes time. The first six months I was here, all I did was get to know people. I leaned on the volunteers that had been a part of this ministry. I leaned on the other staff around me and I focused on knowing people um, and understanding who they were before I tried to do anything else. And so uh, it was a funky time because it was coming out of COVID. It was fall 2020. So I not really coming out of COVID, but kind of coming out of COVID. And... I got to spend that time getting to know people and answering questions and shepherding people as much as I could, but ministry is not going to happen overnight. We were even talking about Mm -hmm. five, six, seven, and uh, this fall, we're going to be launching year three and like have new hopes and aspirations that we talked about two years ago that we've never done yet because ministry takes a long time to build. And so we plan to be, uh, if we want to build something that's going to last a long time,
2: it's going to take a long time to do it.
0: Yeah, that's great brian
2: what about you yeah uh two pieces of advice that I give to anyone getting into ministry in, in any context whether it's family ministry or not the first is that your your ministry to your family's first i know that's like so cliche so repeated but it is for a reason uh like you, you if you are married if you have kids maybe you're single and getting into ministry but if you have a family that's like your place of your first ministry your first investment Um, and don't let that become secondary. Like for me, I'm a very, like, I love thinking creatively and strategically and dreaming of things. And in those moments where my dreams for the future of ministry are taking up way more of my headspace than my dreams for the health of my family and the things that I want to invest in my family, that's happened so many times in various seasons. I just need to be ready to see that and correct that. And remember like, man, my, my family is where those investments need to happen the most and first. So that's true mm-hmm. I mean, for anyone getting into ministry. Uh, and then the the second is kind of Parker already hit on this with spiritual disciplines and stuff like that. But uh, in ministry, you are getting the privilege of bringing the benefits of salvation to others, like telling kids about what Jesus has done for them and how they can be adopted into his family or whatever like way that you're telling them the truth of the gospel. And it's really easy in ministry for you to stop, remembering that those benefits are for you as well and stop enjoying them and resting in them Uh, and be someone who is bringing those things to others kind of as like a professional Christian and forgetting how much you need those things for yourself and intentionally finding ways to keep coming back to them. Just like Parker said, you're spending time in your Bible, but you're doing it for your job and thinking that, well, I've done it, but not you know, carving out time for yourself to to do that just for your own spiritual benefit. I think that's a a big risk in ministry and something to always be attentive to.
0: Yep. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for being on the podcast. I think this was really uh, encouraging, but also hopefully inspirational to people who are trying to figure out what to do with those graduating kids and how to make sure that they transition between ministries well. So I appreciate your wise words. If people want to follow along to what the Austin stone is doing, Austin stone kids, Austin stone students, you guys as ministry leaders, what's the best way to connect with you guys?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm down to give out like my information. Someone can reach out to me directly. Uh So my, my work email is on the website, but it's Ryan george at Austinstone.org. If someone has a question from this podcast and they're like, man, I just want to ask a follow-up. I'm I would love to get an email and respond to that and uh, make a connection point there. So they can they can reach me there. Um I'll I'll give you Parker's personal cell phone number here. okay. Is that you good, can parker? reach
1: me? You can reach me at parker at Austinstone.org. And then Saint John Austin Stone has an Instagram whose handle I should know. Uh, You can follow us there, too.
0: I'll put all the Instagram handles on uh, in the show notes so people can follow along to the Austin Stone, follow along to Austin Stone Kids. Uh, I will shamelessly say that the Austin Stone Kids puts on some of my favorite ministry events in the history of (laughs) ministry events. So you should follow along because I talk about them all the time. Um, Okay, I think that's it. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having us.
2: It's been super fun. It was really great. I appreciate you having us on.
0: Friends, didn't you just love that conversation with Ryan and Parker? I hope that you feel encouraged and maybe inspired to start something in your ministry context for those fourth and fifth graders or fifth and sixth graders or whatever your age group may be. Discipling and partnering with parents and inviting volunteers and kids to lead in those unique ways is so important. And we get to be the ones who create something and create spaces for kids to continue to dive deeper in their relationship with Jesus. It was so fun for me to hear about this conversation and hear about what they were doing because I got to be in those conversations a few years ago. And now to see what we talked about as a staff come to life and watch it bear so much good fruit for their congregation was so encouraging. And so I hope that you felt encouraged as well. If you would like to learn more about the 567 program, how to get in touch with Parker or Ryan, don't forget to head over to the show notes to learn more and find some resources that were mentioned there throughout the conversation. You can keep the conversation going over on Instagram at kids Ministry circle on both Instagram and Facebook. And as always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.